Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode 63 of the True to You podcast. In this one, I am joined by the delightful Maya Oren. Maya is a visual director and founder of Mahalvo, which is her own company. Maya specializes in helping brands in hospitality, fashion, and wellness. She creates photography and video content, visual brand strategies, and seeks to understand the culture of a brand and through that evoke a certain energetic identity. I love that. She openly moonlights as a wellness enthusiast, although I would say that jumping on her website, she is now starting to integrate holistic wellness into her business, which is super interesting. And we go into that in this episode and how she's doing that. She practices meditation, kundalini, yoga, and free movement. So of course, she's a woman after my own heart. I thoroughly recommend you jump on Maya's Instagram too, if you want some inspiration around what this free movement looks like. In this episode, we have what starts out as a very structured conversation, but after a couple of questions, it becomes more of a free-flowing back and forth, exploring Maya's early days of blogging, her personal creative process, down to some of the nitty-gritty, the work challenges of 2020, and her beliefs on what's in store for us beyond this year, and why being a creative and giving your gifts to the world is going to change everything, I assure you. <laughs> I am so grateful for Maya's time and sharing so openly and honestly and helping to bring more thought-provoking conversations around careers and business to the True To You podcast. So without further ado, I welcome to the show, Maya Oren. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome, Maya, to the Trudy podcast. It's so good to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. That's quite all right. Uh, now, you have a really interesting story. You have an interesting background. You've traveled a lot. I can see from your Instagram. I'm very, very jealous at all the places <laughs> that you've been, although this year has probably been um really really tough I imagine for someone like you that really values travel in their life and gives them inspiration and experience and now you have landed in the work that you're doing now creative direction also holistic wellness blogging you've done previously in the past and you're pretty much your own boss is that right Amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So tell us about that story. Go wherever you want. I would. I want to know the life of Maya. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I love to tell stories. Um, that is literally my title, uh, storyteller. So uh, my journey professionally and just kind of like 
adult years, I would say, began uh, when I went to school abroad in Israel. Uh, so my father is Israeli, was born in Jerusalem. Um, my mother was born in Trinidad. Um, but my sister and I both had to draw this like random pull to Israel. Um, and so she ended up there. I ended up there. Uh, I went to an international school there called the uh, IDC, the Interdisciplinary Center. Um, and it's in this little beach town. It's absolutely adorable. I used to love just like running to the beach after school. Um, and while I was there, I started doing photography kind of more seriously. Um, I started to blog. Um, and so I've kind of cycled through quite a few blogs. So the first one was I Spy with My Moholvo Eye. Um, and this was a blog that basically talked about everything I've done um, or everything I, I was doing at the time. So, you know, going to coffee shops or finding the cool hummus place in the alleyway, um, you know, lots of food, lots of travel, lots of kind of daily life. And when I was in school, this was, this is totally going to date me, but um, I think it was like around 2010 or 2011 um, when blogs were totally about like, this is what I did today and everyone had a blog. And so I kind of just tried to fashion it off of that. Um, after I finished school in Israel um, and I studied communication, so I was doing a lot of radio and television and advertising. Um, and when I finished school there, I went to a short stint in uh, Barcelona. And so I lived there for about half a year. Um, didn't have any classes. Uh, I had Spanish and one entrepreneurship class. And so the rest of the time, I actually traded in my old digital camera and got a video capability camera. Um, and I just started shooting around uh, the city. So I did, there were a bunch of events that were happening and, you know, things that were just unique to me. Um, and so I started filming these short videos. I did a chocolate and churros video that might be the world's worst video ever filmed. Um, I filmed something on the Catalan uh, Independence Day. And uh, then I wove, it, wove together this beautiful story of, you know, all of the Barcelona life um, once I finished my study abroad there. And that's actually to date one of my favorite videos because it just is so, it's so rough and it's just, you know, like the true story. And um, yeah, it was just fun. You know, it was like all of the collection of the videos I had ever done while I was there for um, the four months. And so, yeah, it was really cool. Um, so after I finished school in Barcelona, I came back to the States and I lived in New York City um, and I was hell bent on working in fashion. So I wanted to be you know, the next Anna Wintour or Grace Coddington and was applying to all these magazines, ended up getting a job in creative branding. Um, and I was an assistant to a creative director for about a year. Um, and all the while, again, still filming. Um, and I was getting more and more gigs for farms, actually. Um, and so I started a blog where I was doing farm to table films. Um, I had a friend who was a chef, and another friend who was very good at social media and interviewing. And so the three of us created this blog together. Um, and yeah, we would travel all over the tri-state area. We en ended up also going to Michigan. Um, and yeah, just telling the stories of all of these different uh, products and, and produce and taking it and turning it around in the kitchen into beautiful meals. So uh, after that, it really kind of spun out into people hiring me for brand identity videos. And so that was really where I would say Mojalva was established. Um, 
I was mostly doing brand identity videos. I also did a couple of short behind the scene videos. I worked with the uh, team at Cherry Bomb Magazine, which is a food and women magazine, um, and did a little behind the scenes of their cover shoot. Uh, I think it was issue four, maybe, or issue two. Um, and yeah, and then it, it just kind of developed and spiraled after that. So I moved back to Connecticut for a couple of years, and then I moved down to DC. And all the while, I've just been gaining clients more and more um, as the years have gone by. And they've all been in food, weirdly. Um, so, you know, now I'm working probably 90% food. And then in the past year, I started doing more travel work. And so that was amazing. That's exactly where I want to end up. Um, and so I was very excited about it. And then the coronavirus took hold. So um, I got to travel to quite a few places in the last three years. Um, I was in the Republic of Georgia, um, in Colombia. Uh, Ireland, um, Israel, and yeah, a couple of other places, but, you know, just got to really see the world and film. Um, I was in Guatemala. So, you know, just getting that kind of feel of, of different cultures and filming it through my own eyes. Um, and that was really amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I love hearing this story. One thing I want to pick out from, from your story is, the fact that you jumped into something like blogging, obviously it was very quote cool at the time I had a blog and that's how actually I, I guess was able to have a creative outlet while I was doing completely different work altogether. And I think there's something to be said for having those outlets on the side. And would you say initially that you weren't intending to build this into a career. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, I mean, so it's, it's kind of twofold. So when I was a child, my dad is, is an entrepreneur um, and my mom's an artist. And so with those two things together, I feel like it really was in my blood to start a business. Um, and I used to write business proposals and propose them to my dad and be like, what do you think? And, you know, I came up with a candy shop and a bakery and all kinds of ideas like that. Um, and then in college, I had a baked goods uh, business that I would sell American baked goods to my friends who were missing them um, when we were living in Israel. So I think that side of me was always very enterprising and always kind of knew intrinsically that I wanted to have a business. Um, and... And yeah, I also knew that I never wanted to work in corporate. That was another thing I said. I never want to be wearing a pair of tights and an uncomfortable skirt suit and going into an office and sitting at a cubicle. Um, but I would say that I didn't really know where that would happen um, or how it would happen. And, you know, the way that my whole personality works is to be very anxious about what the future holds and how I'm going to get there. And so I was constantly trying to create a plan of what was gonna happen next. And the minute that I just surrendered to doing instead of thinking about it was when the business just fell into my lap. And so it did develop from the blog. Um, you know, that was just a vessel for me to be able to showcase my work throughout the years. Um, and very quickly, it just started to, you know, to spiral into, and, and I actually skipped a piece of it. It spiraled from, you know, the farms. And then I said, you know what, let me try this video thing. And I started doing bar and bat mitzvahs and weddings. And, you know, I worked my way up from the ground, um, you know, and all the while doing the things that I loved, which was the farm videos and the food videos um, on the side for free. And then it slowly started to move into, okay, now I can get hired for this. So it was pretty organic, but I do think that, you know, it was something that fell into my lap because of the work that I was doing 
that was a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. I think that's such a valuable process that you went through because so many of us have these i think blogging is also quite a nice medium because it puts us on the hook as in if we say we're going to publish weekly or um at a certain frequency then people are expecting if they're following us to show up fairly regularly otherwise you'll lose your audience so whilst you might not be getting paid for it it's a really great way to be accountable to a, a client if you will or an audience and so you got that that familiarity as well and that pattern and uh, I think it's really cool that that you also didn't put pressure on yourself to make money from it 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 grew very very naturally by the sounds of it and and you really honed your craft too you you picked something up like the video camera yeah worked away at building the skill and then eventually you were really good rather than saying oh i love filming and then now i want (laughs) to have a business in it which not everybody does but sometimes we have this expectation that we're going to flip our passion into a monetized business very quickly absolutely absolutely and i think you know a big part of it too for me was that i I, I loved photography and then the video just became this, it was this new tool. Uh, you know, when I got into video, it was, no one was doing it. Um, you know, tasty videos weren't a thing as yet. And so I was kind of just creating and, and playing around with it and just seeing what would, what would stick, what wouldn't, um, you know, just having even the platforms, those platforms were brand new back then. Um, so, you know, being able to upload a video was like a big thing. Um, you know, of course YouTube existed, but in terms of publications using it, like magazines, we're seeing that so much nowadays. That was brand new when I was working in it. And so I just kind of kept on chugging along, kept on, you know, creating and uh, innovating and just thinking about what could I try and see if it works. And that's always the way I've been is very, it's, it's scrappy. I'm not, not really someone who wants to perfect the craft first. Um, but I, I do struggle sometimes with wanting to be an expert in it. So um, it's a fun little dichotomy, but, um, but yeah, it's just throwing things at the wall until it sticks. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know with that too, developing that skill and that skill of video, which now it's, there's so much expectation for you to just be good on video, right? Because that is the medium, especially on something like social media that also gets the, um, I guess, gets the traffic. If you, if you want to put like marketing terms on it, uh, do you think that it's a skill that has given you an edge in some ways because you developed it and now you are a little bit ahead of the curve with with some of the things that people are wanting to do in marketing yeah definitely when it comes to my clients for sure um, because a lot of them you know stop motion was a perfect example i was definitely ahead of the curve with that and i was doing it you know probably years before um, a lot of the people were using it for marketing And so when my clients started to come to me with that, I already had the package ready and I was already doing it for a couple of my clients. Um, 
And then I found it hilarious when Instagram started to roll out their stop motion and, you know, their hyper, uh, hyper lapse and all these types of things. Um, but I think in my personal life, uh, it actually is an exact aversion to it. So whenever it comes out into the mainstream or, you know, Instagram opens up their option, I'm like, go do it on that. Like, don't hire me. Um, so it's an interesting kind of, uh, kind of thing where, where certain times I'm really excited about it and it is great to be ahead of the curve. Um, but when it comes to my own work, I just, I tend to simplify and then not really want to be, um, you know, I mean, it took me a really long time to start using reels, for example. Um, and I still don't really even use them. So I'm a little bit old fashioned, but I still love creating the artwork I create. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I would love to know doing a lot of this stuff on the side, because I know when personally, when I had a blog, I was working full time and then blogging and I pretty much I had a social life, but I also happened to be collaborating with my best friend on my blog. So that really made sense. And <laughs> I at least had a friend that I was connecting with on weekends to work on a project. But it meant that everything kind of shifts in your life in terms of where your priorities are. And especially then as you start to build this thing into a business, if you will. I would love to know how you balanced all of this back either back in the day or maybe you can speak about that that now because there is a little bit of shifting of priorities isn't there when we especially if we're creative and we want to produce work we want to make art as Seth Godin would say and it means that mm -hmm. our lifestyle is a little bit all over the place <laughs> would you like to share anything on that Definitely. Uh, I, I'm not an organized person. I, it's funny because in life I'm organized. So, you know, I couldn't really settle into my new home here until my closet was perfectly organized. Um, but when it comes to my work, I have a really kind of, I actually like to think it's kind of like a butterfly or a bee that kind of like goes from flower to flower and pollinates and pollinates. And, you know, it just kind of like does what it needs to do when it needs to do it. Um, and there's no rhyme or reason. And so even today, as a perfect example, um, I got on a call with a friend who I've started doing some, um, some more like wellness focused work with, and we were on a call for an hour and then we had our, you know, to do's and they weren't really related to my photo work, but I, you know, did a quick, a little bit of editing. And then I just banged out all the stuff that I had to do for the wellness. And I feel like that's kind of the way I work is just whatever is inspiring me in that day. Um, and that's, that's kind of actually something that I've learned recently. So back in the day when I was managing, you know, all these different things, I feel like it was very hard for me to switch gears. So if I was doing my blog, I was doing my blog. Um, and then when I was doing the bar and bat mitzvahs, it was hard for me to kind of, you know, do the, the more creative stuff at the same time. Um, and I feel like that's always kind of been my MO. And so this year it was easy or I started to basically make more time and give myself more grace to have more time or allow myself to kind of go with the whim of what, you know, I'm in the mood to do in that day. Because I think especially as a creative, you can't force creativity and you can't force that, you know, the current to come out of you. And so, you know, if you have a piece to write, you can't just sit there in front of your computer and pull your hair out and force yourself to write because it's going to be trash. 
Um, and you might be better served if you're craving a walk. The day is gorgeous. You have sun outside, you know, go for a walk and feel the air on your skin and then come back and maybe you'll be struck with inspiration on that walk. And so that's kind of what I've been allowing myself, the flexibility and the space uh, this year. And I think, you know, it's coming with maturity in my business as well, that we don't have to give ourselves these super strict guidelines that don't allow us the, the breath to, to do the creativity um, in, in that work. And so, you know, also working with clients, that's very tough when they have a, a deadline and I'll put that in air quotes, um, you know, that you can somehow build in always your most times um, you can build in your creative space. Um, so to answer the original question back in the day, um, it was very, very kind of like train tracks. Um, and I think the only time that I was really doing two things at once was when I had the farm to table blog and I was also working as a stylist, um, at a clothing store. And so I was managing events and styling and then also doing this blog. Um, and the way I did it was literally when I was working the fitting rooms and working with clients, when they were changing, I was taking notes on little scraps of paper of the things that I wanted to write about or to create in my blog. Um, and I just had like little scraps of paper in all of the pockets of my jeans. So um, yeah, that's, that's probably the most multitasking I've done, but now I'm a little bit more, I, I just like to go with where the day takes me. So, you know, it's really, I wake up every morning and I got this advice from a wellness, um, actually not even wellness. I would say she's more of like a spiritual, spiritual coach. Um, but she said, start your morning by drinking some coffee or drinking tea and intentionally just sitting down in the nothingness and then ask yourself, what do I want to do with my day today? And listen to your intuition. And if your intuition says, I want to sit on the couch or I want to read a book for an hour, do that. You know, that's, that's going to give you, that's going to serve you better than if you kind of sit down at your computer and say, okay, I need to work because society tells me I need to work from nine to five and, and that's how I'm going to get my work done. So everyone's productivity looks different. Mm. I was very roundabout to get to the. <laughs> no, no, I think that's, that's a really good point. Uh, and it probably means at times that you, when you're on fire and I know that for me, my creativity is really intertwined with my menstrual cycle as well. And I talk a little bit about that stuff on this, not in, in great detail, yeah. but I think uh, when you're responding to that as well and listening to your body too, there will be times where you feel like, oh, I could work till 11 or midnight tonight if I, and I, easy, you know, and then other days it's like, okay, I need to just go really slowly today and I'm not feeling it. I'm, you know, I've got no good ideas some days it feels like. So yeah, I think responding to the body too, which is probably where that intuition is actually partly coming from too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's actually a lot of what's brought me, I know this is later on, but um, what's brought me into the holistic world, um, which has always been, you know, something that I've loved personally, but, you know, the body holds so much information and we don't even tap into a percentage of that, a small percentage of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just really wild when you're, especially as a creative, you're saying, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that. But we're all just like in the brain. We're just cerebral with it. And creativity comes from the sacral chakra and it comes from your hips, especially as women. And like, you're just sitting at a desk and you're not moving that. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and so that's just kind of like brought me into that world. And I'm, I'm so much a student of what I'm, what I'm, you know, offering in that, but um, 
it's just fascinating the more I get to to learn about movement and the body um, and how we respond and how we communicate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can actually go there if you like. Let's jump into that conversation. Uh, I had some questions for Maya and I, I, sometimes we stick to a structure, but sometimes we go a little bit all over the place. So I'm actually keen because everybody's probably thinking, oh, what is this free movement? What is this practice that she has? And uh, Maya and I are both uh, practitioners of Kundalini yoga as well. So that was why I was also really inspired to chat to you because I feel like it's fun to find these women that are practicing this style of yoga, but then also very creative and doing all sorts of different things. It's brought some really amazing people into my life recently, actually. So talk to me. We can go Kundalini. We can talk about free movement and your practices. Maybe, yeah, where would you, where would you want to go with this? <laughs> talk to me maybe a little bit about yeah. how you brought this into your life, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a behemoth of a topic. It's just, it's such a huge part of my life. Um, and I'm sure the same for you. And we've talked about this off, um, off podcast. Uh, but, you know, Kundalini, Kundalini came into my life very intuitively and it was kind of wild, but it had been circulating in my life for many, many years. Um, but I never really knew much about it. I had heard about Kundalini. I'd heard about Tantra, um, but I practiced vinyasa yoga for many years uh, I got my 200-hour training, um, and during that 200-hour training, I was in meditation, and Tantra Yoga came to me, and it said, you need to be practicing Tantra Yoga. Um, I acknowledged it, but I never actually got around to practicing it, and I think it was about three years ago, I was sitting in my apartment, and I was practicing just some basic meditation off of the Insight Timer app, um, and at the end of it, I all of a sudden had the word Satnam come to me. And I didn't have any knowledge or understanding of these words, but I just started to repeat them with my breath. And a couple of weeks later, a friend asked me if I wanted to go to a local Kundalini class with her. And I went and I practiced. And at the end of the class, we chanted Satnam. And I just started to cry. And I felt like I'd come home. Um, and so Kundalini ever since has really had a huge role to play in my life. Um, I think my relationship with that is similar to my work in terms of this pollination um, where I'll take a couple of months on, a couple of months off. Um, and it's just like a very beautiful dance between me and the Kundalini. Um, and the movement is kind of related to the Kundalini and also just in general to yoga that I've never really been a traditional person um, when it comes to working out. So I've never really been someone who pounds away at the gym or lifts weights. Um, and when yoga came into my life, my body literally transformed. And it was not something that I was going into yoga looking for. It wasn't, you know, that I started doing yoga to lose weight, but um, it was as if I was holding onto this physical energy that didn't need to be there anymore. And it just literally melted off my body. And my body took the form that had always been existing in my brain. Um, it was my true, it's literally my true soul's form um, in this body. And so yoga has been a big part of my life. And the movement sort of came in in that same organic way where I started filming myself actually just to see where the movement was in my body. And by movement back in the day, it was just dancing in my apartment. Um, and I also have a love for fashion. Uh, you know, to go back to New York, but uh, 
I would wear cute outfits in the video and then just dance around my apartment. And I started posting them to Instagram and people were commenting on them and literally pulling me aside on the street and being like, oh my gosh, I watched your videos. They're so cute. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe people are watching these. I don't even, I'm like doing them to be, hold myself accountable. And here I am on the street and people are like calling me out for this. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it started to catch on and a lot of my friends started tagging me in their videos where they were dancing. And it occurred to me pretty much this year that we hold so much energy in the body that in a Western kind of society, we don't move our bodies throughout the day. And I found that the more that I would start my day or even just break up my day with some movement, my creativity and my energy was just better. Um, so I also suffer from generalized anxiety disorder, and it's been something that has really taken a hold of my life in a horrible way for the past like three to five years. And the dancing has helped me release that energy as well because I hold that anxiety physically in the body. Um, and yeah, in terms of the movement, it's really just started to develop into more of a practice uh, this year. And you know, the way that I've been framing it is actually the words that I use is meditative movement. Um, and the reason why I chose that, that terminology and that title for it is that it's not something where you're looking to follow choreography. It's not something with certain movements in the body. It's literally how that movement manifests itself for you and your energy. And so when I'm leading a class or leading, um, a guided meditation through this movement, it's to feel the sound currents of the music in your body and move your body as such. You're trying to move all parts of your body, but it's also just a very fluid and soft type of movement. Um, and everyone's is going to look different. And that's what's so beautiful. So, you know, I've gotten people together virtually and in person and every single time it's a whole different energy and it's just so freaking beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, that's really been the development of the practice. Um, I feel like there was more that I wanted to say on it. I could talk about it all day. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the beginning developments of it for sure. Yeah. I, I'm interested to know because you are now uh, bringing that into your work, aren't you? And under the banner of your business, under Mahalvo. And so you have your creative direction, which has been the bulk of the work that you've done up to the last, uh, I'm guessing, year or so that you brought the holistic wellness into it. What made you decide to bring those two under the same banner? And, and what do you offer in the holistic wellness for people? Yeah, so um, it kind of was just, I, I'm a very thorough person and I like to have everything that I'm doing kind of together. Um, and, and because I'm so visual, it's, it's important for it to all kind of exist. Um, and so for now it's, it's all under the banner of Mahalvo pretty much for convenience. Um, and, and it's just, you know, easy for me to kind of have everything that I offer. Um, but another thing, and actually I think you spoke with her on, or you definitely spoke with her on a podcast, but Mary Margaret, um, we spoke about this a lot and, you know, she always says her advice is to just do, don't think about it too much, just do it. And so at the beginning of this year, I was actually being asked to do free movement classes. And I said, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. I could never teach this. I don't have any trainings. You know, what is this even, um, you know, gave myself the, the list of, of reasons why um, I'm an imposter and why I can't you know, offer this as a guided experience. 
Um, and as this year has developed and it's gotten harder and harder, and I've realized how much, especially DC, but the world at large needs to learn new communication forms and how I was communicating through my own body. I was like, okay, this is something that the world needs. And most importantly, what DC needs where I am. Um, and so it just became really apparent to me that, you know, screw all the certifications, you know, if you, if I don't resonate with someone, that's fine, but to just start to offer it because I can, you know, and, and it's something that's coming through and it's downloading at speeds that I can't even keep up with. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to do what's coming toward me. Um, and, and that's why it's on Mojalvo. So the creative direction still exists. That's still probably 80% of my work. Um, but these, uh, the meditative movement and the holistic wellness is coming through very organically. And as I was just saying, kind of like as a download. Um, so I'm just allowing things to flow in as they do. So, you know, we did, uh, my friend and I, she's a yoga and pranayamic breath teacher. Um, so this past Saturday, we did an event in the meadow together where she taught a pranayamic breath set. And then we moved into the, uh, the movement session. And it was just this beautiful synergy between the two of us. And we created this really safe and beautiful environment um, for these, I think it was six people that showed up. Um, I've also been offering newsletters with just a bit more information about how I'm thinking about the world, how I'm, you know, kind of synthesizing the information that's coming through in terms of our current events. Um, and then offering playlists and little tidbits of movement. And, you know, also partnering up with local businesses here. So, you know, we have one event that's coming up that's going to be a Middle Eastern kind of movement DJ party with a Middle Eastern restaurant here, um, as well as one that just came through this morning to do a full moon gathering for Halloween um, because it's the blue moon on a Saturday, which is wild. Um, so we're going to gather a group of women and do a kind of like a you know, elixir based, uh, potion that is just herbs and, um, hibiscus and all kinds of really good, amazing things mixed together. And we're going to drink that and then, um, you know, open up into movement and then close it with a cacao ceremony. Uh, so it really is just, it's super fluid. Um, and in terms of the offerings on my website for holistic wellness, um, I'm also hoping to get a little bit more into, uh, doing this in a more corporate setting. So, you know, for boutique hotels or for restaurants and places that might need some help in moving into wellness, um, because wellness is for everyone and we need to work on the accessibility of it. Um, so I, I'm hoping to have more of a role in that and to be able to bring accessibility to the wellness world for people. Um, and that might be through movement, but it also could be through certain programming or events um, or, you know, tinctures and things like that as well. Um, you know, I have a lot of connections in the wellness world. So trying to just, you know, connect all those dots, if that makes sense. Mm, oh, I love that. I can, I can really feel where this is going. It's going in all good directions. And, and I love what you said then before about being able to offer this to, you work a lot with food brands and a lot in the hospitality industry. And so being able to bring this to them as a way of um, supporting them, because that's a stressful environment as well. And I'm sure that uh, all they could, they could do with the support and especially 
this year. I mean, <laughs> you know, they've been some of the hardest hit. Big time. Please, <laughs> hey, and and so being able to offer them practices or support, where whatever that looks like right now for you, I think is really, really beautiful. So, yeah, I, I listened to something recently. It was, uh, I think it was part of, some teachings that Guru Jagat was doing around business and she was talking about your, she was talking about this time and how important, you're already leaving a creative mark, but I think that this new introduction of the wellness and the movement is really allowing you to put a stamp on this time in which we really need the creatives to stand up <laughs> and not I don't say that that in a in a in a um come on where are you people type of way but really we <laughs> we're we are able to find solutions and look at things in different ways that like you say in a place like DC which is um you know probably very you know it's the home of policies and, and all of those sorts of things that, um, and then maybe a little rigidity that, that that movement can bring such a different dimension to those people's lives. I, I don't know if you want to share anything on that, but when I heard her say that, I was like, yes, amen, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah, that's that's been a huge, a huge kind of, topic, I guess, um, that I've been talking a lot about and just kind of mulling over myself is that mm -hmm. this shift that we're experiencing that a lot of people still there, there, everyone's, we all are aware of it at this point, but I think that there's still some people that don't fully acknowledge the shift that's happening. Um, but yes, DC is an extremely masculine city. It's an extremely buttoned up, suited up type of city. And I was drawn here. I don't know why, but I ended up here. Um, I started dating here. I like now coexist with someone who works somewhat adjacent to government. And it's just a very interesting energy here. And, you know, I felt myself in this year, especially just being like, oh my God, give me a beach and like, give me hippies. Like I just, I don't, I can't do any more of this, you know, political talk and, you know, supposing, and I just, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, but what I found is that, you know, or what I, what I kind of understood is that I'm here for a reason. And when I really tapped into my intuition and tapped into my spirit guides, uh, what kept on coming through for me is there's a reason why you're in DC and you have to make a change here. And once that really got embedded into me and that download came in, I was like, okay, I'm here and I've got a warrior up and I've got to make the change that I want to see. And, you know, that comes through in the dance that comes through in the wellness offerings that, you know, it's, it's tough because I think that there's a lot of education that has to happen around it. But the more that I start to dig and the more I start to speak openly in the way that I know best, um, I'm finding that there's a lot of people in this tribe here um, where they do exist. You know, there are people who are very energetically charged here. And I think it's about kind of wrangling those people together. And as you were saying, bringing the, all the creatives together because we're the next ones up. Um, and there's a woman, I can't remember her name, but she is a channeler um, and she channeled a little bit about 2021. Um, and I found it really fascinating because she was talking about how 
we are gearing up, these people, these creatives or light workers are gearing up to lead and hold space for the people who are going to be waking up next year because we've woken up, we know what's coming, we're, we're in it, we're understanding, and we're kind of developing ourselves into kind of the stronger format that we need to have in this next iteration of life and of earth. Um, and so we're going to have to hold space for these people that are coming through next um, in order for us all to kind of get to that beautiful next level um, that we know is coming. And so um, I think that's also why the holistic wellness has come through for me so strong this year is that I know that I have to hold space for people. And I know that I also have to be a community leader in this area. Um, and the movement is another thing that I think about a lot is the fact of communication and communication styles. And, you know, we speak a lot, we speak and we listen and we speak and we listen, but what other communication forms are coming through? And even just in us speaking right now in this podcast, there's like light codes and there's sound codes and certain things that are coming through that we're not even conscious of, but people are going to pick up on subconsciously as well. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how I feel about the dance is, you know, when you're doing meditative movement, you're dropping into your body, into a place where you don't normally inhabit in a day. And so what's going to come through for you? What does your body want to tell you? Um, and there was another element of this that I wanted to talk about, but I can't remember. Hmm. Oh, yes. So also in, in the format of, of 2021 and, you know, just being a creative leader is that we, and I've been saying this a lot in all of my movement classes, is that when you tap into that movement center and you're tapping into more of your, like your gut and like your lower chakras that are a lot more, um, you know, primal and a lot more connected to earth and to the environment, you're not only more intuitive, but you're also able to lead from the gut and lead from your intuition. And that just makes for better leadership. So, you know, when we're leading from our heart and we're leading from joy and from, you know, excitement and love, we're never going to be able to be deceitful. We're never going to be able to tell a lie. And I think right now we're kind of sifting through a period of, of time where we're shifting from fear and we're shifting from a bit more, you know, of this like kind of upper chakra type of communication to more of like an unconditional and a heart centered communication. And so that's really kind of motivated me as well to get more into this movement and get people to tap into that part of their bodies. Um, and especially in DC where all of the leadership in America is taking place. Um, so, you know, hoping to make change is basically what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in the right place at the right time, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, that deep in your heart and that is part of the challenge I think of being a creative. I, I don't, I can't speak for everyone out there, but I will say that, naturally through through your work you're you're often challenging the status quo because that's what art is about and i've heard so many times more recently that art leads the government and art leads culture and i think like you said 2021 is our opportunity to really stand up and give our gifts to the world and that may require that we also speak up and or communicate through different mediums uh, rather than it may not just be visual you know it may not just be words but 
Um, yeah, our time is coming. <laughs> big time, big time. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, I before we finish up, I would love to talk a little bit about your business because I know there's a lot of creative businesswomen who listen to this and would really like to know a little bit more about how you have you've shared a little bit about how you've attracted your clients and and that's come very naturally through some of your interests but what i noticed is that your clients seem to carry a very similar value set and and i'm simply just getting this through through the imagery but i can see that come through in the type of brands and you know i love marketing so i'm fairly attuned to this stuff as well was that something that was really important to you to say yes to the brands that were very aligned with your values were you aware of your values from a young age when you started your business or is that something that you eventually had to start saying no to certain things I would yeah how did that come about for you so I'm so happy you asked me this question because it's something that is absolutely at the core of my business. Um, and you're totally astute and, and correct that I do, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say sift through businesses, but I do attract certain businesses. Um, and I think it's kind of twofold. So partially it's manifesting. Um, truly, I manifest the businesses I want to work with. Um, and then the second fold of it is is more just continuously producing and showcasing the work that is the work I want to bring in. So it's kind of like, you know, my, my portfolio and my website is a vision board. It's a working vision board for me. Um, and so it's allowing people who might want to work with me to kind of understand what I offer and the type of work that I produce. But I'm also very straightforward every single time I work with a client and I'm onboarding them to say, this is my style of work. This is very clearly what you're going to get if you work with me. If you like that, that's amazing. Let's start working together. If you're not really about that, then this isn't going to be a relationship that you're going to want to pursue. So I try to steer my clients in the direction that I know will serve them best. And there are some clients that I've just straight up said to them, you know, look, I don't think that my film style is the style that you're looking for. Um, and I'm usually spot on. I'm usually, you know, those clients usually will walk away or if they do work with me, they're not super happy with the result. And, um, you know, it's something that I had predicted from the beginning. Um, and so the aesthetic part of it, I, since I was really young, I've definitely always had a very specific aesthetic and specific value set. Um, literally since I was maybe six or seven, I used to never like anything that was artificial or fake. So if it was like a fake banana flavor on, you know, I don't know, an ice cream or something. I'm like, but it's not real bananas. Like, I don't want to eat this. This is ridiculous. Um, and so I feel like that kind of set the tone and set the stage for my business where I like to work with businesses who are passionate and who have that same sort of zeal for life that I do. Um, because I know that our synergy and, you know, kind of putting their vision and their passion with my artistic vision and my ability to tell that story is just going to create fireworks. It's just going to create beautiful things. Um, and I think that's why I also love the travel world because it's just like aesthetically so just, it's like eye candy whenever you travel. It's just beautiful and new. It's different. It just totally enlivens the senses. And so, you know, these are the types of things I like to work with and be it a travel destination or a restaurant um, or just a brand. Um, it's really important. It does align with me. And 
yeah. So, you know, sustainable products also are very important to me and things that just are sending out good messages and propelling the world forward in a way that makes sense and, you know, is helping humanity and not hurting humanity. Um, So those are, those are very important things to me. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to helping these brands, something that you said you do is help them find their voice. And I feel like that is a, a, a phrase that we hear a lot or that, that I even hear from coaching clients. I want to find my voice. I, I want to be able to express myself more clearly. And, and the same goes for a, a product. It's just it's, it's, the product doesn't talk, but you use images and things like that to communicate what makes your approach to that unique? Maybe you can share a little bit for those who don't uh, or aren't familiar with that phrase or don't know what it means to find find your voice. How do you describe that and what makes your approach different, unique? So finding the voice of the brand is really finding the soul of the brand. So what I like to ask my clients is, you know, where, where are you most passionate and where do you see your brand going? And I think from those questions, I really get a feel, um, you know, there was one brand that I worked with very closely here. That was the middle East. I I spoke about them earlier, but a middle Eastern restaurant here. Um, and they traveled to several Middle Eastern countries. And so their whole brand was kind of this like travel wanderlusty brand, um, that also supported and told the stories of the food that were in these countries. And, you know, so in telling the story of those visuals, it was important to kind of show that earthiness and that, you know, kind of like down to the, to the salt of the earth and of these different countries and, um, you know, capturing the wanderlust element of it, but also capturing, you know, what they, what the passion of the people who came back and were doing this restaurant here. Um, And so I think what's important in that process for me is really creating the essence. And so I'm not super traditional in terms of putting together a brand deck, um, you know, and pulling together colors and things like that, but it more ends up as some sort of called mood board um, where I'll just pull together a bunch of images um, because I'm so visual and and then I just kind of feel it um, Especially when it comes to filming I will just start to film and feel where the energy is in the space and you know That could be speaking to someone it could be just following them like a fly on the wall um, You know it could be getting the flicker of a light or something and you just kind of get those small details and I think that also pulls together the story and really tells the voice um, because at the end of the day, especially through video, it's about making the person feel like they're there and that they want to be experiencing it through their, their, uh, watching the video, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. I think it's so interesting how you take that idea of brand voice and I, I, I'm picking that you're a pretty strongly intuitive person naturally. And so, like you said, you don't need to communicate up front a great big brand deck or a slide deck of this is exactly what this project's going to roll out and become. And, and you just get to work and really feel your way through that process. And that takes, that takes a really, that takes experience, I'm sure. It's a big part of it. Over time, you get to know 
all the little nuances, especially with these types of businesses, but also really trusting yourself and trusting your process that magic will come from it, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think also just, you know, allowing yourself to have the space to do it because I think we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves in the branding world to, you know, present this big deck and present the colors and the font and the, and the graphics and the, you know, photo examples. And, you know, it does take a lot of trust from not only trusting yourself, but also your client trusting you. But I think if you can produce something that's beautiful and, you know, tells a story, then it can still translate, you know? And so that's, that's kind of the way I've always done it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny, like see what, what happens. Um, so my process is no process pretty much. <laughs> uh, before, yeah. Do you, I'm curious to know that because I, <laughs> we've had, I had a conversation with a group of women that I'm coaching yesterday and perfectionism comes up time and time again right mm -hmm. and I feel like that process you can't there's not a lot of room for perfectionism but would you be able to share with me whether that's something that you you suffer from or where does that come up for you in your process and in your life as a um as a, <laughs> it comes up definitely during the editing process so and, and it was earlier on as well. So I think the maturity that I talked about a couple of minutes ago was, you know, it's, it's definitely allowing yourself the grace and not only with your schedule, which I spoke about earlier, but also with, you know, for example, the editing process. And so, yeah, I could definitely go over and over and over again, the photos and the video and say, okay, I could do another cut of this or I can make it better. And you could literally work on something like that until you're blue in the face and then you don't give anything to your client. And what I've had to learn is, you know, you give yourself a couple of rounds and then once you've gotten into a place where it's pulling at your heartstrings or it's making you feel okay in your gut, then that's when you pass it in. You don't, you know, work on it and work on it forever because I think the perfectionism can actually kill it a little bit. Um, and you want it to feel beautiful and just kind of quietly touched a little bit. And then it's just, it's just sent off. Um, so I think the perfectionism definitely comes up in that way. And then also in, you know, the feeling of needing to be an expert. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of pressure to come off as being an expert and, you know, with the help or the demise, I guess, of Instagram and, and having, you know, this perfect page that you're putting together, people's lives look perfect on it and they don't see the backup or, you know, and, and even when people do the behind the scenes crap, it's like, okay, but still, um, you know, and so I think that in terms of the perfectionism, it's like a little bit of that too, where I want to come off as a certain way. I want people to think that I'm an expert and that I know my, my stuff. And, you know, I think we all kind of need to admit that we're all just figuring it out as we go. And that's a huge piece of advice that I got very early on. It's a very popular piece of advice for business owners, but you know, when no one's an expert and we're all just figuring it out. And I think with those things, um, at the top of mind, it helps to, uh, quell the perfectionism that I think a lot of us hold. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes. I, this conversation, <laughs> I'm sure we could go in all <laughs> different directions. Uh, 
I would love to close out by asking you two things. What have you found most challenging about 2020, but also in the same light when you reflect, very exciting as well. And you're someone that, that even though like travel is a big part of your work, you brought this whole new part of your business to light in this year. So share with me a little bit about what you found challenging, but what's also really exciting about this year. So 2020 has been a behemoth. That's what I keep on saying. It's just this ridiculously large year that has overtaken the world. And I find myself, so the challenge for me is the community and the gathering element because, and, and that comes through in travel as well, because I just love, I love culture and I love traditions. And, you know, I come from a background of having Shabbat dinner every Friday with a group of people and lighting candles and having our hands in a bunch of olives and ripping bread. And we can't do that right now. And that's been very, very challenging for someone who relies on that for creativity. Um, you know, and, and the same goes through with, with travel with that is that, you know, traveling is something that allows you to kind of tap into elements of you that you won't tap into in a normal day. And I found that I started to rely on that a lot and it was something that was really keeping the juices going. And, um, so that was a really big challenge for me in 2020 was, was kind of coming to terms with the fact that this is going to be a different year and also that we were entering into a new era. But on the flip side, that's actually what's so exciting for me too, is that I am realizing more and more that we really have stepped into a new era. We're in a completely new energetic field. And I find myself waking up almost in a stupor at least like once a week, just being like, holy shit, what is happening? Sorry if I'm not allowed to swear. It's okay. But like, it. <laughs> it's just crazy. We are literally, we have stepped into what I think a lot of us subconsciously have been waiting for our entire lives. And I find myself waking up and just being like, it's here. The time is here and it's time for change and it's time to bring forth what we've been all sitting on since we were born into this, you know, into this body and came earthside in this time in our lives. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing that and I'm seeing that how more and more people are stepping into that in their own bodies. And I think that that is so cool. Um, and I think that's like what I'm most excited about and why this whole new chapter of my business has come forth and you know, even the way that I'm speaking and the way I'm writing on Instagram and, you know, and my newsletters and to my friends is just such a huge switch from what it was, you know, I don't know, nine months ago. I don't know how many months have been in 2020. It feels like 50 million. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's totally different. The energy is totally different. And so to me, that is so enlivening and it's just so exciting. Um, and it's something that I'm just really, really happy uh to be living through so you know on the days that i wake up and i'm challenged or feel depressed or feel sad about not having the qualities of life that i had before i just try to focus on what we're moving toward and also knowing and this is a piece of advice that i was given um by the same woman who i can't remember who channels um she said that we if we live now knowing that in a year or two years, we're going to be totally okay. And we're going to be living this like 
beautiful life that we couldn't even envision right now, but it's just going to be absolutely beautiful. And we're going to have all the things and the comforts that we're used to, but in this completely new iteration that how could we live each day knowing that that's going to happen? Um, and so I've been trying to embody that and remember that and just be excited by that. Yeah, that that's so beautiful. And that, that gift to your future self, hey, that, that if, and very similar, I, I heard someone say, I can't remember what, who it was, but they said, you know, what's, what, when you look back in five years, 10 years, and you know that 2020 was a significant year, what story do you want to tell your kids or your grandkids or whoever it might be in your life, that next generation about how that year played out for you? And that has played on my mind enough that I've thought, why do I want to just sit in the corner of the room and be sad? <laughs> because Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh yeah. If you just open your eyes, there's so much at your fingertips that you can use to create and to connect. And it's it's made it's forced me to do more to reach out to women all around the world to podcast because um you, you know, you can't travel, but hey, we can have a conversation and who knows where that's going to go. And yeah, so I think it's, um, I think it's been, been a, an incredible year, <laughs> an incredible year in many ways. So I love that philosophy. Thank you for sharing that. This has been a really beautiful conversation, Maya. You are very intelligent, uh, inspira- inspiring woman and I'm so pleased that we we got to connect through through our, our other connections. That's you know that's always the, the best way for it to work, isn't it? <laughs> totally. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to see what the rest of 2020, but also 2021, pans out for you and and how you bring this this holistic wellness to uh an industry that i mean generally people but i'm very interested to see how this works and with and the types of clients that you work with as well it's going to be really special so thank you thank you